Hello and welcome to the Memory Chapel podcast. Memory Chapel is a small, rural, non-denominational Christian church located on Banceville Road in 84, Pennsylvania. On this podcast, we feature an edited version of our Sunday morning worship service at the chapel and the Bible teaching of Pastor David All. Thanks for joining us. And now, let's get to the worship. Thank you. 
Good morning. Welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ on this special Sunday that we are calling Founders Day. We're setting aside a special day to recognize the founding of the chapel and those who sacrificed to see that this chapel come into existence. They followed the call of the Lord faithfully. Let us pray. Our Father, we give thanks to you this day that we can gather together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, that we can praise you, that we can honor you, and that we can enjoy the fellowship of your Spirit, whom you've freely given to all who call upon your name through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray that you bless our time here today, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength, our Redeemer. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. I thought I'd mention a few things in connection with this special day, this Founders Day that we're observing. We do have as our special guests here today, Skip, Joyce, and Clark Wiggins. They're going to be sharing with us a little bit later in the service a little bit about the history of the founding of Memory Chapel. There will be some interesting things there to be sure. But there will also be an opportunity for each one of you, if you feel led, to share some thought, some memory, some reflection upon Memory Chapel. And, and you don't even have to be one of those who were here at the very beginning. You can share reflections from your own time here at the chapel. There will be an opportunity for you to do that a little bit later. Just wanted you to know so that you could be thinking about that. And also, following this service, our call to worship this morning is taken from Isaiah 28 and chapter 8 and Psalm 118. Fear the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord God said... Look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. Going to Isaiah chapter 8, he will be a sanctuary. But for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Going to Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It is wondrous in our sight. And this is the word of the Lord. And now at this time, I do want to turn things over to our guests today. Uh, Joyce and Skip and Clark, would you kindly come share with us some of the history of this chapel? All right. In early in 1972, a movement was started by Reverend Arlen Hill to restore the Vanceville Christian Church, which had been vacant and neglected for 15 years. So this church was started, this building was started many, many years ago, but it had been vacant. A local newspaper made some comments, and also we have a copy of the minutes from the very first gathering, I guess, of the local individuals. And the minutes were recorded for that meeting by the secretary, Mrs. L excuse me, Lucille Wright Blakeway. And Clark's going to read those minutes. <clears throat> Uh, and Lucille placed away, wrote, There was a meeting called to order by request of Reverend Arlie Kale of Bentleyville, RD1PA, 
at the home of John Lucille Blakely, RD1, Bentleyville, PA, on Sunday, January 23, 1972, at 2 p.m. for the purpose of discussing plans to use this building in Vanceville, 84, RD2, PA, owned and formerly used by members of the Church of Christ for the denomination. Known as the Vanceville Church of Christ for the purpose of holding worship services. Members of the Church of Christ group attending these above mentioned meeting were Eugene Ames, Warren Wright, Catherine McDonough, and Selena Gatton. Others attending were Reverend Kale, Norman Gatton, John Blakeway, and Lucille Blakeway. There have been no church services held in this building for several years. The building itself has been vandalized and was badly in need of repair. The meeting was opened by prayer by Reverend Kale. He then explained to the group his desire to use the building for church services for the public as a non-denominational group. After much discussion and feeling that such services would be good for the community, the members present from the Church of Christ group, namely Eugene Ames, Warren Wright, Catherine McDonough, and Selena Gatton, who had all attended Sunday school and church services in this building most of their lives, gave Reverend Kale their support and permission to use the building, making any repairs or additions to the building or grounds that he had deemed necessary at the expense of those who wished to contribute to the cause. Uh, Eugene Ames, Warren Wright, Catherine McDonough, and Selena Gatton agreed to donate a sum of money from the existing bank account of the Vanceville Church of Christ to help get the project started. All others attending the meeting volunteered their support of the project. Reverend Kale stated that as the project developed, he would like the name to be Memory Chapel in honor and memory of the many people who have, prayed, who have passed on that dedicated their lives to Christian service in this building. Reverend Kale thanked the group and said he hoped to have the necessary work completed and hold the first church service in the building on Easter Sunday of this year, 1972. The meeting then closed with prayer by Reverend Kale. A local newspaper also wrote, quote, several months ago, a movement was started to open the old church up again. The old building was in very bad condition. It was surrounded with high weeds and bushes. The entrance doors stood open. There was junk scattered all over the inside of the building. And when the different denominations went to work cleaning, painting, putting up new ceilings, new window sashes, grading around the building, and much of the other necessary work for the goal set for opening on Easter Sunday, April the 2nd, 1972. The following notes were provided by Sarah Kale, Reverend Kale's wife. And I quote, the building and grounds were cleaned and repaired by friends, neighbors, and some of the early members. Monetary gifts came from people throughout the area. Many families helped with the restoration to make this house of worship a reality, unquote. Mrs. Kale documented a list of some 60 families from the local area who helped with the restoration. 
As a result, the official name of the chapel is Memory Community Chapel. The following is a list of bestowal and bequests made by friends and neighbors to Reverend Kale for Memory Chapel. That's me. Oh, by the way, just for information purposes, uh, the altar was back there. That's why the steps are sloped this way, just for curiosity. Now, the wooden cross above the altar was carved by John Blakeway from Memory Chapel Raptor Timbers. The baptismal bowl uh, was by Wanda and Gordon Bates donated uh, and they also donated the communion set uh, flower stands collection plates pulpit uh, were all also the vestibule table entry was donated also the rugs that we walked on was uh, Originally, I don't think these are original, but <laughs> they were by uh, um, Russell Wiley, uh, Linden, uh, uh, Lindenwood Golf Course, Rolling Hills Golf Course. That was he donated the rugs. Um, the white communion tablecloth. Which probably is in. Which no, is no, no, not that one. It's inside. Oh, it's inside. Okay. Sorry. was donated by Lucille Wright Blakeway. The cloth was a wedding gift given to Lucille's mother. Which I calculated would have been from the 1800s. Now the communion tablecloth. This one. That one was donated in memory of Kenneth Trago. There's a wooden candle holders someplace. They were constructed by Kenneth Blakeway. The Gethsemane oil painting, that, that one, was by Rita Anderson Dell, daughter of Otto and Ethel Anderson. The Last Supper painting, which is that one over there, was by Anne McGowan. Jesus and the Cross Children Cross Stitch. In the bathroom, uh, and it was by Diana Barker. Uh, Jesus oil painting, I believe that one. Uh, by Oprah Arthur, donated by Mr. and Mrs. Raymond Mosier. Uh, the crucifix was donated by Minnie Carey. Uh, praying hands was donated by Betty Carey. An American flag donated by Linda Core in the memory of her father, John W. Ringling. Uh, there's a, I think we still have it, the melted glass rock with cross uh, was from EMK. The public address system and Bible history books donated by Paul Steichler. The memory chapel book written by Lyle Brooks Watson, a copy of which is stored at the Washington County Historical 
Society and the Citizens Library. And a later book written by Clyde A. Weber entitled Church in the Wildwood is also to be stored at the Washington County Historical Society and the Citizens Library. And uh, the red door, by the way, <laughs> always means that there's no bills. Nobody owns. The church is debt-free with the orange. Now, we have one other thing I thought of. When that side collapsed with the logs, Martha's son and whatever company he was working for at the time came in and dug that all out and fixed it up over, and I don't think they charged us anything. They were donated all their time. It was a, it was a crew because if you've ever ventured into the basement, which is a trip, right, Ken? Scary <laughs> It's a scary trip. It's, uh, this is all dirt under here. But those were original logs that had finally rotted through and collapsed. And we were losing that side. So I thought of that this morning. So I thought I'd add that. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. <laughs> here you go. Yes, there have been many projects over the years that have been done and donated time and materials by many members, friends, neighbors of Community Chapel. And as planned on Easter Sunday, April the 2nd, 1972, the first service was conducted by Reverend Kale and it was attended by over 200 people. The floor must have been stronger then. <laughs> the following Sunday, April the 9th, 1972, Clark Wiggins, and Charles Ball were the first babies dedicated at Memory Chapel. As we celebrate this Founders Day, it's an opportunity to reflect on the many years of service and the blessings received by the Memory Chapel founders and their families over the years. By the grace of God and with the prayers and support of many members, present, past, and future, Memory Chapel has become the church that it is today. Over the years, many babies were dedicated, couples were married, many individuals received spiritual guidance here at Memory Chapel, and people were baptized in local surrounding swimming pools by Reverend Kale. On Sunday, December the 6th, 1981, Reverend William Harper, the pastor of the North Ten Mile Baptist Church who ordained Reverend Kale, also officiated the funeral service for Reverend Kale here at his beloved Memory Chapel. Skip, Joyce, Clark, thank you so much for sharing with us here today. How interesting. You know, I learned quite a few things here today, and I've done a bit of reading on Memory Chapel, but I actually learned why it's called Memory Chapel. And I love that. And not just Memory Chapel, but Memory Community Chapel. Um, remembering those who have contributed and pulled together in a communal spirit to uh, do the work of the Lord. Very good. Thank you so much. And now I want to give the rest of you in the congregation the opportunity. If anyone had something that they wanted to share, I, I will be happy to bring the microphone right to you. And you can share your thoughts, your reflections upon the ministry here at Memory Chapel and your time here. Just shoot your hand up in the air if you want to share.
don't need that. <laughs> um, I remember when we were kids, we had a choir, and we used to sing up there. We had robes and everything. And after choir practice, we used to have a volleyball net tied out here to the light post, and we used to play volleyball after choir practice out here. And you forgot the softball team. Oh, and the softball we used game. to get together one night a week, and it was not just for the chapel uh, kids, it was for the community. And we had young people from the entire area who could walk or drive come in, and we had one powerful hitter on the, <laughs> on the member chapels outside. Now, where did you all play ball at? Right out here, there is a, is it still there, the open field? It's still yeah, there. I don't think we're allowed to use it anymore. Right, but home base was right there behind the church over there. And we hit that way, and some of us hit really far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Were there any others here today? And the song that we just sang happens to be the title of today's message, The Church's One Foundation. Today is a day that we are calling Founders Day here at Memory Chapel. We've set aside a special time to gratefully remember the sacrifices that others made in the founding of this house of worship. And it's altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. Founders are important because they lay the groundwork 
the groundwork for everything that will follow. A building is only as good as its foundations, a point that the Lord Jesus himself emphasized in the story about the men who built their houses, one upon the sand and the other upon the rock. The house built upon the rock, it weathered the storm, while the one built upon the sand was completely ruined. Foundations are vitally important. And this is acknowledged by the psalmist in the 11th Psalm, which we're going to look at together. For your convenience, it's printed on the inside of your bulletins. Psalm 11. Psalm 11, beginning in verse 1. I have taken refuge in the Lord. How can you say to me, Escape to the mountains like a bird. For look, the wicked string bows. They put their arrows on bowstrings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We're going to pause there. These words are being spoken by someone to the psalmist. They are saying to him, look at all the troubles that are coming your way. The number of wicked people is multiplying every day, and they are taking aim at you, the righteous person. If you want to have any hope of surviving this, you better head for the hills. You better run, retreat, get out of dodge. After all, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous person do? It's hopeless. That's what someone is telling the psalmist. It's hopeless. Even the foundations have been destroyed. There's no saving this thing. But the psalmist has a different perspective. He says, I've taken refuge in the Lord. How can you say it's hopeless? He develops this idea further in the following verses. Let's look at them together. Verse 4, the psalmist says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord, his throne is in heaven. His eyes watch. His gaze examines everyone. The Lord examines the righteous, but he hates the wicked and those who love violence. Let him rain burning coals and sulfur on the wicked. Let a scorching wind be the portion in their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds, the upright will see his face. The psalmist says, yes, things may look hopeless, humanly speaking, but the Lord is still very much in control. He is still on his throne. He is ruling and reigning, and he sees everything that goes on. Nothing escapes his notice. He hates the wicked. He loves the righteous, and he will judge righteously because he himself is righteous. Therefore, the righteous person will see the Lord's face. In other words, the righteous person will be received and accepted by the Lord, regardless what happens. The psalmist is not dismayed by the rational, realistic assessment of his predicament. Why? Because he knows something that goes deeper than the foundations that are being destroyed. He knows that the Lord lives, reigns, and will judge all things righteously. And this is a fact that renders even the hopeless situation hopeful for God's people. You know, we live in a time that offers us little cause for hope, humanly speaking, in our nation, we see the results of decades of erosion at the foundation stones, don't we? The foundations 
of our nation have been attacked for many years. Now we see the stones crumbling. We see cracks and fissures opening up. It sometimes seems that collapse is not only inevitable, but even imminent. The situation, though, is not unique to our nation. This has happened many, many times before. This is what happens to nations. We shouldn't think it's strange that it's happening to us. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It's happened many times before. Unfortunately, it's happening to our great nation now. What can the righteous do? Retreat, right? You better run because it's hopeless. But that's not what the psalmist suggests. He makes the argument invalid by reminding us where the foundation truly lies. I have taken refuge in the Lord. But preacher, it's not just our nation. Even the church itself is under attack. The foundations of our faith are constantly under fire. And we are even seeing churches that once stood for the word of God falling away from the faith of Jesus Christ and embracing all sorts of wicked things. Yes, it's true. We are seeing that in our day. I know. And so does the Lord. He sees all things, which is why he has reminded us of the foundation that cannot be moved. And let's look at that foundation together. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. Again, these scriptures are printed for you in your bulletins. Ephesians chapter 2. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, that is in Christ, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and in him, in Christ. You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Did you note the foundation of God's new covenant people, his church? It's the truth of God revealed through his chosen apostles and prophets. That's what forms the foundation for the people of God. And notice who the chief cornerstone of this foundation is. It's Jesus Christ himself. In ancient construction methods, the entire weight of the structure rested upon one special, select, and tested stone. This stone was the cornerstone. It wasn't like it is in our day where the cornerstone is just a decorative stone set to commemorate the building. No, the cornerstone was the crucial element upon which the foundation was founded and the entire building rested. It carried the weight of the whole structure. Jesus Christ himself bears the weight of the people of God. And the wicked can do their worst to attack the foundation of God's church, but will they ever be able to do anything that overturns what Christ Jesus has already done in reconciling sinners to God through his once-for-all sacrifice upon Calvary's tree? Absolutely not. There's nothing they can do about that. Jesus is the cornerstone upon which the foundation of God's chosen apostles and prophets is laid. We can build on top of it, but we can never undermine it or replace it. Look now at 1 Corinthians 3. 
9 through 17. Paul says, For we are God's co-workers, you are God's field. Or, to use another analogy, you are God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will reveal it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire, through testing. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy. And that's what you are. Paul emphasizes two things in this passage for us. The first is this. It's vitally important how we build upon the foundation of faith. What materials will we use? Will our work stand the test of time and the refining fire of the Lord's inspection? It's critically important how we build because our work will have to undergo a critical quality inspection of the Lord. The second thing that Paul emphasizes is this. The only sure foundation that can be built upon is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation that God has laid and that foundation isn't going anywhere. It's a solid foundation that stands firm. Which brings us to our last scripture to look at together today. 2 Timothy 2.19. Paul says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. No matter how fiercely the enemy attacks the foundation of God's people, this fact remains. God's solid foundation of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the apostles and the prophets stands firm. And notice, this foundation bears an inscription upon closer inspection. What does it say? The Lord knows who his people are. And let everyone that belongs to the Lord turn away from wickedness. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? God's solid foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, and the apostles and prophets will never be destroyed. It stands firm. Well, what about God's people who are constantly under attack? The Lord knows who his people are. And he knows how to save them. And they, if they truly are his people, will turn from wickedness and sin. Because the Lord loves righteousness. They will shine like stars in the midst of a dark world. They'll turn from wickedness and they'll stand for righteousness the Lord loves righteousness and he loves his people. And the Lord, who himself is righteous, 
we can count on him to judge righteously. The foundation is not going to fail. Jesus Christ is not going to fail. Build your life on him. Build wisely. That foundation is going to stand the test of time and trial. Nations rise and nations fall. But Jesus Christ rules over all. Foundations of the earth may fail. Our cornerstone, none can assail. Let us pray. Our Father, we give thanks to you that we have a firm and sure foundation that has been laid. Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. On this day in which we take time to remember the sacrifices of those who have built upon this foundation, we thank you for the reminder from your word that no matter how hopeless things may seem, humanly speaking, your foundation is solid and it stands firm, Lord, and it bears the inscription, you know who your people are. And your people will turn away from wickedness and do what is right and just because you love righteousness and you will judge all things righteously. We thank you that you've reconciled us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ, who has made for us a sure foundation, the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of the people of God. We give him praise. It's in his name we pray. Amen. God's foundation is firm and solid. It stands sure. Don't be discouraged no matter what you see in the news or what you see going on around you. God sees. He knows who his people are. He knows how to save. You continue doing righteously. Continue turning from wickedness. He loves righteousness. He will judge righteously. May the grace and peace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit that he has given to be with you all forever if you've called upon his name. Indeed, be with you today, this week, and forever. Amen. Thank you for having tuned in with us today. We hope you found the time in worship and the word to be encouraging, challenging, and strengthening. If so, we'd love to hear from you. We realize there are so many ways you could spend your time. We're glad you chose to spend it with us in worship and the word. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all today, this week, and forever.